Hi there, I'm Salima Noon. I'm a sexual health and empowerment educator based in Vancouver, Canada, and welcome to Growing Up Game Plan, the podcast. Growing Up Game Plan is a six-week online masterclass for preteens on being more confident, more prepared, and less stressed as they navigate life. We created this podcast to support you parents to do the same. You're in the right place if you want to understand what preteens struggle with. You want to be proactive and stay one step ahead of teen angst. You want to have or keep having meaningful conversations with your preteen about growing up. And you're looking for concrete, easy to implement tips on what to say and do. We don't have all the answers, but we want to support you in all of these goals. Parenting preteens is no joke. And sometimes you just got to call in for backup. That's us. So let's do this. Well, hello, Jesse. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. This is a great pleasure to be with you on this podcast. Oh, I am so excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this because I know that parents are going to have so many questions um, and I'm hoping I can relay those to you on behalf of them. Um, why don't we start from the beginning? I mean, you and I have been friends and colleagues for years and years, and I know that you started your career as a teacher, but can you tell our listeners just a bit about what you do today as a sexual health educator? Sure. Uh, I do kind of three things. So um, I, I tried to do lots of things and I realized the best way to do it is to minimize and be effective in those two things. <laughs> so I hear you. I offer, um, parent education. I offer uh, teacher training, kind of educational training and also in organizations. And then I also, um, work closely with, uh, individuals and families, uh, folks with that are neuro- neurodiverse. Um, so I can support families to have, uh, and raise kids with healthy relationships and hopefully healthy friendships. And uh, so those are the three things, individual, teacher, educator support, and then uh, parent education. Awesome. So you're working with the kids themselves, but you're also supporting parents to take those messages and reinforce them and, and um, empower their kids at home, right? That's right. Yeah. Because it's not super easy raising kids, turns out. Whew, I've learned that firsthand. That's for sure. I feel like I'm just coming out of the darkness as my stepdaughters are now 22 and 24, which is pretty awesome. Wow. But yeah, it's uh, not easy. And I can only imagine the unique challenges a parent's face when their kids um, do have disabilities or are neurodiverse learners. Um, now we know you and I, I mean, we know as educators, how important it is to teach kids about healthy bodies and healthy sexuality at a young age. Right. Um, but can you just comment a bit on why it is especially important to teach kids with disabilities when it comes to safety? Well, I would absolutely be advocating for any parents, um, any EAs, education assistants, uh, and also SEAs, student education assistants, uh, and teachers to make sure that all kids are included in the classes that you're offering um, on, on body science. Uh, because one of the biggest differences, well, all kids need repetition, but one of the biggest challenges is everybody learns at a different stage of development. Some people are, are really eager to listen because they're noticing their body changing. Some kids mm-hmm. are super far off from listening because their bodies haven't changed and neurologically, they're just not there yet. So we want to offer kids lots and lots of opportunities to be paying attention and um, 
if the, that's why we have this scaffolded education from kindergarten all the way to grade 12, mm-hmm. grade 10, but it should be to grade 12. Um, kids need to learn at the time that they're ready and not everyone's ready. So when you include everybody in those classes, um, they're getting that repetition, they're hearing the language, they're hearing the abuse prevention piece, they're hearing about their bodies changing and they're gonna ask questions and wonder at their time, not on the schedule of what's being taught that year. So that's why right. we include them. And then we, you know, we maximize other um, kind of learning at home by offering parents books and resources for them to follow up with at home. So it's right. And I want to I want to ask you about those resources a little bit later. And by the way, parents, we are actually dividing this episode into two parts because Jesse and I have so much to talk about. Um, now, I hear what you're saying, Jesse, when it comes to including all kids in sexual health and all lessons, period. Um, when I'm at elementary schools, quite often parents and teachers and sometimes EAs will ask me, you know, you know, the child I'm working with or my child is on the autism spectrum, do you think it's appropriate for them to join their class in the body science lesson or should they maybe join a, a class at a lower grade? But my response is always that, um, as you said, kids will absorb what they're ready to at the time, but a really important and powerful message is that they can learn with their peers, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And I remember um, you saying that before, and I, and I will be sure to repeat it, that, you know, this is why we teach. This is like the essence of why we teach health education is that, you know, it's great that people are teaching it at home and, it, and it's fabulous, but if their peers aren't learning the same information and aren't learning the same uh, awareness about consent and learning the, the kind of laws around how to kind of be an ethical and healthy partner and friend and following those body rules, then we're really just teaching one person. We're not teaching a community to be healthy, right? Right. So that community to be healthy through peer education is what you have been doing for years. And it's super, it's just wonderful. Well, it's like vaccinations, right? It doesn't help if only three people get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> right. We all need to be healthy. vaccinated. So Jesse, what do you say to a parent then? If, you know, they're just not quite sure about teaching their child at their age, given their abilities um, about sexual health, because they just don't think it's on their radar yet. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not aware that their body is experiencing puberty. They don't have questions about how babies are made. What do you say then? Well, you know, I think that, again, it's funny because I think parents can get really nervous about having their kids in the class we have to remember that part of the reason that we have more than one class is because kids go in and out of listening. So I love that parents think that their Mm -hmm. kids are going to absorb everything they hear because that's so wonderful to have such a positive outlook. But the reality is they're going to probably remember the last thing that that teacher said. Um, (laughs) Probably remember maybe the first thing they said, and maybe they'll hook on to one or two ideas. And so we want kids to always be in the class. So they're learning with their peers so that they're learning the language to talk about their body and feel empowered to say if anything hurts on the inside or anything hurts on the outside uh, to learn how to be an advocate for their own health when they go into the doctor um, Mm -hmm. to learn how to have boundaries around their own bodies and and those lessons come through years and years of health education in the schools they don't come Mm -hmm. one class and so including them in one class over years is excellent including them in one class you know once in a while when you feel comfortable is is not 
the comp is not comprehensive sexual health. Education. Right. And what do we know about safety? I mean, when it comes down to it, are kids with disabilities at increased risk for sexual abuse? Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually tell parents, uh, all parents, but you know, especially parents of younger folks, think of your child in one week who has access to that person. Um, because mm. right now, what we're doing is we're teaching abuse prevention to all kids kids with developmental delays definitely have limited ability to advocate for themselves for a lot of different reasons. One, it can be a verbal barrier or a physical barrier that's tricky for them to kind of stand up for themselves. Two, they're up against these social norms that are completely outrageous to be beautiful, to be uh, able-bodied, to be uh, to be intellectually super, super clever and the best in our class. Like we have these outstanding mm -hmm. standards so our kids, with, with all kids, but especially neurodiverse kids, are really just trying to fit in and have friends like everybody else. So that's a huge power dynamic as well. If somebody goes up to uh, a child with a neurodiverse uh, abilities in the bathroom, let's say, and says, hey, let's try this thing. They're more likely to say yes, because they are looking for friendships. They're seeking that's friendships. That's right. And so we really, this is why the parent education piece is huge. I think it's crazy that we go into schools and teach all this abuse prevention, but if we don't include the parents, we're basically saying that kids are responsible for their own safety. That's not, we live in communities, right? So this is why parents need the education, why you know, you're doing a podcast, why we're um, talking to kids about it, talking to teachers about it, because kids are one way to prevent abuse, but the adults are responsible for preventing abuse. Okay, so best case scenario, kids with all abilities participate in sexual health education workshops, either given by the classroom teacher or a guest like us. What can parents do and what can um, education assistants do for that matter to help neurodiverse learners absorb and understand the information they've just been given? What, what kind of follow-up would be helpful? Is it a review? Is it breaking the information down? What works? Well, I would say that, um, you know, part of the EA's job, an uh, education assistant, is to probably be taking some, some really basic notes of simple script, like my body belongs to me. I get really specific. No one's allowed to touch your genitals except for, and I'm pretty sure you do the same kind of thing, except for cleaning except for, um, you know, if something hurts. And then I start to, to think about in their world, who are the people that would have access to them that would be their safe people. I call them star people who would be their star people. So probably like mom, usually almost always is um, if mom's in the picture. And if not, there can be a key worker if you're living in a group home. And so then getting really clear about if somebody is going to touch your genitals, it would be only you and one other person so you're keeping that bubble really really small so you're mm -hmm. so if anybody else has access to that child that does touch that that child in a way then they go oh that's not supposed to happen and they and then really encouraging them to say no and stop yeah use and i really like how you focus on behaviors so for cleaning or maybe help with changing or yeah. the dentist looking in your mouth so that they can keep your teeth clean and healthy. The dentist doesn't need to pull down your pants though. No. And then reviewing that just before they go, like a lot of the time kids are so excellent. They'll go, well, what about the doctor? And I'm like, that's exactly right. The doctor, you know, you can still say no or stop to a doctor just because they're a doctor, but let's talk about what that might look like. Your parent will be in the room with you. Um, they're probably like holding your hand. If you feel a little bit nervous, we're talking about those 
those little ones right now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and also it's great to ask them questions. They're a trained body. Like they're a trained educator. They, they know so much about the body, ask them what they're doing. Good doctors mm-hmm. will walk through what they're doing. So that review mm-hmm. before they go to the doctor's office, because that's one thing about neurodiverse kids, they're at the doctor all the time, right? Mm-hmm. That's a really common place for them to go. So parents having their, Hey, what's expected at the doctor is this, this, and this. Uh, what's expected when we go to the change room at the pool is that you're probably going to see other people changing. We can do one, two, three, look away. So one, two, three, three, look away is like looking at the face, looking at the body, looking at the lower part of the body, and then looking away. Um, so I right. like to teach people how to safely or kind of respectfully check each other out. Cause of course we're going to check each other out. That's what we do, but we just don't stare with our mouth open. Right. <laughs> right. I get caught. So, we know um, that for teachers, classroom teachers, they have their plates full. They're juggling a lot of balls. Yeah. Do you feel that they're adequately supported in, in teaching sexual health, especially to kids with disabilities or, or with differing learning needs? Well, this is interesting because this is why I kind of created um, what what's called the Healthy Relationships Curriculum, which is a kind of a packaged 10-part uh, unit uh, program to teach teachers how to teach health education, particularly to folks with neurodiverse abilities, because mm-hmm. it really felt like there was a, a lack of, it's kind of like saying, okay, you're going to be a PE teacher and teach PE, but you've never learned a basketball unit. You've never learned a volleyball unit. You don't know the rules. That's right. And so the teachers really, you know, let's face it, they don't get a lot of training if at all, in the PDP program. So when they're doing their professional development program as a teacher, they're getting maybe an hour on sexual health. They're not getting a full day. They're not getting like what you did as a master's in in Mm -hmm. what I did as a certification as a sexual health educator on top of teaching. So, you know, we put extensive training and I know that you're also a lifelong learner. So I know that you're reading, I know you're writing books. And um, so am I reading journals and and staying up to date. So to be a specialist in something, you have to educate yourself consistently. Mm -hmm. And teachers Mm -hmm. don't, A, like you say, have the time and or have the, um, you know, support unless it's a self-driven interest where they're like every PD, pro D day, I'm going to do something on sexual health or SOGI. Right. If it's offered, that is right. Which it always isn't always. Um, But you know, I agree, Jesse, it's, it's, it's an unfair um, expectation, I think, that teachers will be equipped to teach this and especially teach it given the varying learning needs in their classrooms. So in a perfect world, parents would be having these conversations at home first, right? And then whatever kids are learning in the classroom is just kind of icing on the cake, whether it's coming from a classroom teacher or from experts like you and I. Um, so it really is important that parents feel supported, right? And and with that, I mean, the, the role of parents is so key in this. They need to have a good idea of what their kids are actually learning in the classroom, right? So that they can then and follow up with conversations and resources and repetition and review, right? Absolutely. And to be honest, that's why I was so excited to see um, your education online education series come out this over COVID because I actually had some feedback from a friend of mine who said that, you know, she had purchased your, your kind of kit or your program and that mm-hmm. she's watching, she had two different age kids. So she's watching one part with one kid and one part with the other kid. And, and just kind of opening the conversation, learning the language, 
um, finding out the content that parents or that kids are learning in school. Because we all know kids come home and you say, how was your day? What did you learn? And they're like, oh, it was good. Nothing. That conversation, right? Um, when there's yeah. really meaningful content that's coming through and it's not that hard to integrate it at home in a really easy way. In the same way you would say like, okay, we're having, you know, we're having ramen for dinner. I need you to chop this bok choy. You can say like, oh, that's so cool. Like I see how much, much you've grown. And, you know, I got to tell you this really funny story about when I first grew taller, right? We're kind of integrating regularly conversations about the body and growing up and um, being a good human, just like we would conversations about nutrition or conversations about getting fresh air and exercise. Yeah. And we're not talking about two hour conversations. We're talking about two minute conversations while you're chopping bok choy together. Right. But just these little taking advantage of these little opportunities to exchange information and to tell stories. That's such a positive message that we want to talk to our kids about this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Jessica, we're going to wrap up this part of um, our episode in, in just a minute. And to do that, I just want to ask you, what are some of the most common challenges that parents you work with tell you they face when it comes to teaching their kids um, who do have disabilities about sexual health and healthy sexuality. Can you give us an idea of what some of those challenges are? And then in the second part of this episode, I'd like to really dive into um, some strategies that parents can use around these topics and around these issues. I first, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, being a parent is challenging, right? I think sometimes we see all these blog posts and we see all of this Instagram about these perfect lives. And the reality is if you're a parent, you've had some really, really hard days. You add on the challenge of having a neurodiverse learner that wasn't usually part of the plan, right? We, you know, there's a big part of grieving and then kind of like rising to the occasion. And so I've met lots of incredible parents. And part of the reason I love my work is because I get to work with these very high, higher level human beings. And so you know, I think that one of the biggest challenges is it's just the daily slog of being a parent. And then it's one more thing to have to do on top of like, let's say, you know, you've taught your child how to do uh, toileting practice at three or four with a neurodiverse learner, it might have taken you like a year at age seven, right? And so think of how that looks in terms of showing up every day with, you know, compassion and love for your kid and saying like, you've almost got it but for a year, right? For some parents, they'll go, you know what? That's not going to happen. We're, we're going with pull-ups and that's okay. That's, that's our family's plan, right? I think that one of the biggest pieces for parents is how can they easily integrate through stories and books and telling funny stories about how they grew up, you know, making fun of the Uncle Tom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uncle Tom got, grew so tall and he got this funny little mustache. So making it playful, making it engaging, talking about, you know, the rules of the body, talking about the books that they love, rereading those books over and over, finding a few cute videos online that help kids get the message across in in differentiated ways. So differentiated learning, different opportunities to learn through different mediums. And so it doesn't have to be them making up the words. The books already have it, right? Like Boys, Girls, and Body Science. I always say, just read that. If you want to teach your kids about what sex is, like intercourse between penis and vagina sex, read page 21 over and over. Done. Like done. That's it. You don't have to make it up. 
and then read uh, Corey Silverberg's, uh, Silverberg's book, uh, What Makes a Baby, you know, read that one over and over and talk about how different babies come into the world. And then it's like, okay, you got the foundation down and now they're 12 or 13. That, that's going to come up again. They might say, what sex? Well, you can say, remember when we read this book and we read that book? Well, you know, now you add on that layer about like, in mm-hmm. all rule is you know mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. to always talk, talk about like 30 dates <laughs> the kids like shut <laughs> off all 30 dates but so you, you get to make up those values you know your values you just need some added content and that's usually in, in a lot of books that we can recommend. yeah and, and that's the good news is that that we're not alone as parents more and more there are such amazing resources that parents can use um, with their kids of, of varying abilities, right? But the importance of repetition and review uh, holds true for, for all kids. You know, when I'm working with parents, Jesse, I find that parents of kids with disabilities have many of the same concerns that parents of typical kids do. They want to know, how do I teach my kids about puberty? How do I do it in a way that's engaging and fun? Uh, They want to know what about relationships and some of those more emotional issues. And I think we can both appreciate that tackling things like relationships with kids of um, just really diverse abilities can be tricky, right? So if you don't mind, um, in the second part of this episode, I'd like you to offer our listeners some, some of the strategies they can apply to teaching their kids about these tricky topics. Would that be okay? Yeah, no problem at all. I'd love to share some strategies. Okay, perfect. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back uh, with part two of this episode with Jessica Wallen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Growing Up Game Plan, the podcast, where our goal is to support parents as they navigate the preteen trenches. Looking for more? Check out our newest program, Growing Up Game Plan. Growing Up Game Plan is a six-week online masterclass for preteens age 9 to 12-ish that sets them up to celebrate who they really are, to use their inner power to honor, manage, and express their emotions, to stay safe and have fun online, to come to terms with puberty, to stand up for themselves and what they believe in, and to foster healthy relationships. Growing Up Game Plan gets your preteen thinking and reflecting on things that matter. We give you peace of mind and they learn skills they can use for a lifetime. And we help you both learn to have meaningful, open conversations moving forward. Go to www.salimanoon.com if you'd like to learn more about Growing Up Game Plan or to join our waitlist to be the first to know about when registration opens up next. We got you.